Fear is real. I can tell you it's real. I, I, I've struggled. I'm just being transparent. So just so you guys know, I struggled fear this week. Fear. I did. You guys can say, well, why are you up there preaching like when you struggle? Like, well, welcome to Sinners Saved by Grace. If you're here and you're above that, then I'd like to meet you because your name is Jesus. And uh, um, fear is real. How many of you guys could testify and say of a situation that you stepped into something that you authentically felt afraid? Raise your hand right now. Okay, most hands, and if not all hands are going to... I'm going I'm to tell you guys of a story of one time that I really thought maybe I was going to die, okay? And uh, talking about Daniel and the lion's den, well, a couple years ago, a lot of you guys know the story about me going to Africa. I spoke at a conference. It was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in all of my life. I loved it. I spoke for morning till night, and just it was an amazing experience to be able to preach in Zambia, Africa, to this conference. Well, part of the experience was we, uh, we were in South Africa. We went on a safari. Now, this safari was not like you would get at the wilds here in Ohio, okay? There was no cages. There was no fences. You get into a Jeep, and you just drive into the desert, okay? You drive into the middle of nowhere. And one of the first questions that I asked, I said, are we going to see lions? And they said, rarely do we ever come upon lions because lions don't want to be around people. They said that they hear us coming, that, you know, you'll never debate or be around lions like that. Well, we came into the safari, and the first thing we did was ran up on this whole herd of zebras. And we were, like, taking pictures and all this stuff, and then they ran. Like, oh, that's weird. So we drove a little bit further. We drove right into a tribe of lions, 10, 12 lions. Like, and, and so I'm on the bus, the and the, the first one is right there. And, uh, and, and we're watching them, and this lion walks straight up in what I thought was going to be attacking us and tearing us apart. And, and to be honest, what happened in that, and there was, I mean, the whole hill was full of lions after that. And if you guys have seen when I preached the message before, um, there, there was actually a Pumbaa, like just, just like a warthog, but I'm putting it on your Disney level, okay? Uh, that ran in, they, 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 they jumped on it, pounced on it, and ate it it in front of our eyes. And for you, it's so gross. And for me, it was like awesome. It was like so cool. And it was this amazing experience. But let me tell you what happened in that story behind the scenes, how that lion went right towards us and went around. And I just leaned up and gave it this look, and it got so scared. I'm kidding. I'm a, Chuck Norris could do that. Um, but I, I'm telling you, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I, I've got this sensation of I'm taking pictures and watching this, and all of a sudden, this lion, not caged up, is walking straight towards us. Now, I, and that's one illustration of fear. Let me, let me tell you another illustration of fear is, is going through this week of going into a, a, a doctor's office where they're going to come in and tell us if the cancer is invaded, if it's shrunk, if it's crushing his arteries, I, and it's, it's just... Oh, for anybody that says Christians don't deal with fear, they, then they're talking about people that are not humans. When we talk about faith over fear, it doesn't mean that we don't have fear. It literally means that we choose to trust God over being ran by the fear. But let me tell you guys, it's still, it's still a battle because you're made of flesh and spirit. You, you have both of them inside of you, and we struggle with this, and it's real. 
I, I want to do a brief overview of Daniel just because we're getting to the end of this and next week we'll be rolling into something different. Daniel was taken in exile, brought into a, uh, an, a, a pagan nation that nobody loved God, nobody went to church, if you will, nobody did what was right. But Daniel was purposed in his heart that he would not adapt to the culture around him because it wasn't about the place that he was, but the God that was in him. And if we don't start with our identity of Christ, because they changed his name, but Daniel remained Daniel because of the fact is that Daniel's name meant that God is my judge. And then the other name, it was a name given uh, about their pagan gods. And he, he was like, that's not who I am. And if we don't understand it, we start this life understanding that my identity is following God because my identity dictates what I do. And if, if you don't have your identity in Christ and your identity is in the church and I remove you from the church and you go off to college, I'll do whatever because it was, it was found in the church and not in God. When my identity is found with God, it doesn't matter where I'm at, I'm the same because I know whose I am. That makes the difference. From that, Daniel refused himself. They, they brought him into the king's table and he said, I'm, I can't eat this meat because it, uh, it goes against what I believe. Because of his identity, it, it dictated what he did and he stood for God. And then we find Daniel had this prayer life. We want to talk about Daniel's in the lion's den, but let me tell you, it started with Daniel in the prayer closet. He prayed three times a day. Daniel prayed in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 9. He had an authentic walk with God. And it talked about his prayer life of how he, he now before that put his eyes on the city of Jerusalem where the place of their worship of God was. That was Daniel. Daniel fell on his knees before God. That literally, it's getting to the point in your life when I've been there through my situation and we have to get there. This, this whole illustration right here is, God, I can't do this. And it's not so much about going through the motions of being on your knees, but it is the humility that I, I, you get to the place in your life that I cannot parent, I cannot lead, I cannot do this without God. But from your walk with God, it does something in your life. You cannot walk with God and it not change your heart. You cannot walk with God and not change your heart. You want it to change your kid's heart, then teach them to walk with God. But if it's a matter of you go to church and you run to a location at random because that is your walk with God, let, let me tell you, when they're no longer running to church, then they're no longer walking with God because it was based on a location, not, not a spiritual discipline in their life. And that changes everything. So that brings us to this point in Daniel's life because the Bible says in John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you. That, that is what walking with God is. The word abide is not talking about just a visit. And guys, I'm not going to beat anybody up about this, but let me just preach you the truth. Sometimes we make the Christian life about going to church. Going to church should reinforce what you did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday without the week. But if we make our whole Christian life about going to church, then we don't understand the Christian life. It's a daily diet. Just like you don't eat once a week. You don't just run to church once a week and think that's it. As the branch cannot bear fruit in and of itself, you cannot have bravery and of yourself. You cannot have courage and of yourself. You cannot have conviction of yourself. Accept it, abide on the vine, which is Jesus Christ. No more can ye except you abide in me. The next verse says, for without me you can do nothing. The reason why we have so much talk and praise in church about the way maker and the miracle worker and so little evidence of that 
It's because we make it more about the songs of God rather than the walk with God. And if I want us to walk away from this Daniel series, I do not want the lions being mentioned as much as the lion of the tribe of Judah with that relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. Because the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Our walk with God will change you. The same way that you cannot go to the gym and apply yourselves with those disciplines and walk out the same. Do you guys get that? You cannot walk in the gym and walk out of the gym the same. You apply what is in the gym, you will walk out different than you came in. If you apply what we talk about on Sunday, and you apply walking with God in the prayer closet, and you apply fasting and praying, you apply being faithful to church, and you apply these things, the principles that God's giving you, when you apply fasting and praying, you won't walk away the same. But if we keep avoiding it because it's uncomfortable, then we will have spiritually weak Christians and we have no future for the church. You say, Pastor Tony, it's not about that. The Bible says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen all day long. But try building it outside of the rock and you will fail. These principles that we're talking about is the solid rock of Jesus Christ. So let's get into this. Daniel chapter 6. Nebuchadnezzar, the king that we talked about in chapters 1 and 2, he's gone. Daniel is now in his 80s. Time passes by. This exile happened for over 70 years. Long time. The Persian Empire is now ruling Babylon. And it pleased Darius, chapter 6, verse 1. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes that should be over the whole kingdom. And these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first that the princes might give account unto them, the king should have no damage. Then Daniel was preferred above the presence of the princes. Because why? There was an excellent spirit was in him. What? Wait a minute. He was in the world. He was in a difficult time. But yeah, God was in him as he was in the world. When God's working in you, you will change the world around you. When the world is in you, you adapt to the world around you. And the king thought to set him over the realm, the whole realm. And the presidents and the princes sought occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful. Let me just lay this out. Daniel, and what we're about to talk about, I tell you, Daniel was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Daniel chapter 6 verse 5, Then said these men, We shall not find occasion against Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Let me tell you, we're talking about conviction. Your walk with God leads to conviction in your heart. So let me lay this out. Your conviction will be tried. I need to lay this out because so many people think as long as God finds me faithful that we soar above the clouds. As long as I'm found faithful, I have this spiritual armor around me that I don't, Satan doesn't come after me because he's kind of intimidated by me. That's not the case. If you determine in your heart that you're going to stand for righteousness and stand for what God has said is right, Satan then goes, oh, opposition, we need to take that guy out. We wonder why. Well, they're doing so good and they're so faithful and they love God and they're, they're, they're this and all these different things. They're like, I don't know why they're going through so much because Satan's not going to skip attacking you because you're doing the right thing. Actually, he's going to target you. Because you've now become an opposition. 
You are a roadblock to the plan. Anytime somebody's in the world, God's calling people to Jesus Christ, and you stand up and you start waving the flag of Jesus Christ, Satan's like, whoa, we've got to shut that down. That's why it baffles me when Christians think, I don't know why I'm going through so much. I, I, I got in church and I'm being faithful. Yeah, you just put a target on your back. That's what you did. So am I, is doing the right thing make difficult, uh, life difficult? And yeah. Sometimes we paint this picture that you're not going to go through hard things, but evil literally is targeting Christianity. Evil is targeting the things that are right. Jesus told the disciples, they hated me, they're going to hate you. Because there's a God of this world that hates righteousness. The Bible says that for as much as he was faithful, Daniel was faithful. Can I tell you, the devil doesn't care that you're faithful. They don't have a staff meeting with the demons and walk away and say, well, we could go after Daniel. Oh, guys, he's off the table. That guy is faithful to God. It's like, well, okay, we'll leave that guy alone. The devil doesn't care that you're faithful. He's not going to skip going after your kids because you raise your kids in church. And sometimes, I don't understand. I raised them every Sunday in church. You think Satan's going to skip going after your kids because of that? No. It literally says the reason why he was targeted because he was faithful. Your convictions will be tried. They will be tested. The enemy doesn't care. He doesn't play fair. It literally says, hey, I know how we'll get him. We'll use what the right things that he does in his life against him. He prays every day. That will be our ticket to go against him. And sometimes we say, life is so unfair. Yeah, life is unfair. Because you fight an enemy that does not play fair. He doesn't play fair. Now, I know, again, I'm sorry in this, and you're thinking, this is not a great message, Pastor Tony. You're telling me to live right and serve God and be faithful and all this other stuff. It just gets hard. It is. It's, uh, life is hard because we live in the midst of spiritual warfare. The enemy had a strategy, a strategic plan to bring him down. Look at verse 6. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom and the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statue. And to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask petition of God or, many, or, or man for 30 days, save of thee, of the king, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish a decree and sign the writings that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing of the decree. Now, behind the scenes is what happened. During that day, that was very pagan. They worshipped all these idols and these gods and all these things that they did. For these 30 days, they, they kind of made this decree and said, what if you were our God? You can imagine them walking and saying, oh, 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 oh king, uh, we, we worship all these gods, but to me, you are more of a god than they are. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, he's just, so they're building up his ego, and he's doing this. He goes, let's sign a decree that if they need power of something, they run to you. And he's like, that's a great idea. Satan is very good at what he does. I know I've said that a lot over the last number of weeks. Satan is very good at what he does. Can I ask you guys right now, if a decree was signed against what you believe in, what would you do? If they told us for as a church that you could no longer preach the gospel, would we stop? They say, well, no, but I'm telling you, if you go by the feeling of, no, praise God, I would not bow to the enemy. Say that all day long. If you're not on your knees in prayer with God, if you're not walking with God, you will be like jello when it comes to standing for righteousness. 
It's not easy. And I, I, want you, I want you guys to know that just because we're hyped up in our head doesn't mean we have conviction in our hearts. It must be from the heart. It's got to be conviction from the heart. Conviction from the heart only comes from our walk with God. So Daniel's dilemma is literally do right and get tortured. Not, not just something bad. You know, we talk about, man, if we've preached on certain things today, they might take away our tax exempt. And let them take our tax exempt away. We're talking about literally in this passage right here being thrown and ripped apart by lions. Uh, that, that, that would mess with your mind a lot. Are we spiritually ready for what's coming tomorrow? If you're weak in your walk, you'll be weak in the war. If you're weak in the walk, you will be weak in the war. That's just how it is. Your convictions lead us to live by faith. Daniel uh, Convictions were greater than the fear, though. Here, watch what happens. Now, when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into the house, his windows being opened towards his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks as he did a fourth time. He just did what he did before because it was conviction in his heart, without question, without hesitation. Now, here's where it gets to. The trials are not just about you. And this is a big thing that I want to talk about. Trials are not just about you. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. So the thing is, when trials come into our life and the Daniel in the lion's den was not just about Daniel, it wasn't just about the lions, it was that God was going to do something through this. And I think it's important for us to understand that the world is craving to see something that is authentic and real, and sometimes God will put a little pressure on us God will allow us to go through some things because the pressure in life isn't there to ruin you, it's to make you better. Let me show you this. Your convictions will be tried. That's an absolute. You will be targeted. It will be difficult. Satan will go after you. If you stand for God, it will not be easy. But stand strong because God works through our faith. Now, I want you guys to get this. We, we, we've been building up this whole outline through this whole thing. You're, you're, it starts with your identity. At least your walk with God. Your walk with God brings convictions. Your convictions lives out your faith. Let me give you an illustration. You've got Peter walking on the water. And here's this story. Okay, so picture this story. Jesus is walking to them and they thought it was a ghost and then he realizes that it's the son of God and he realizes that it was, it was the God that they serve. And he says, I believe that it's Jesus. And I tell you, a lot of us are that people on the boat who's like, I believe Jesus is awesome and wonderful. He says, get out of the boat. Oh, 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 okay. Well, can we sing another verse of that? Our God, you know, it's like, no, faith is not just knowledge. Conviction is to be convinced in our heart. But he was like, that is my Jesus. And then faith is action. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, your works, the Bible says, without faith, your works is dead. I'll show you my faith by my works, my actions going through. And by the way, every story in the Bible backs this up. Every story in the Bible is them living this out. It's about Elijah was convinced that there was one true God. That's why he built the altar. Noah believed that God was sending rain. That's why he built a boat. We are called to live by faith, to live out what we believe. And, and it says in verse 11, and these men assembled and they found Daniel praying and making supplication before God. This was all a setup. 
Then the king realized that he was stuck because he commanded for one of his top people to be killed. And it was a setup. Satan is good at setups. Let me tell you, through all of this, God is greater and God is bigger and God was working. You need to know that. You say, ah, sometimes I don't feel that way. Walk with him before you get in the lion's den. If you walk into the lion's den, you're just going to get ripped apart. But if you don't have to walk with him, it changes everything. And the king commanded and brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. The king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed with his own signet and with the signet of his lord's. The purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. I want you guys to get that there's, Daniel didn't go whistling and skipping as he went to the lion's den, okay? And I think sometimes we paint the picture that way, and Daniel just walked in as he just stood firm and like, I guarantee he had sweat down going and chill bumps down the back of his spine. He's hearing the lions roar. And by the way, when they throw the enemy in there, it says that they ripped them apart and crushed their bones. This, this, this is not, not playtime at Columbus Zoo, okay? This was serious stuff that's happening and transpiring in this story. But the thing is, pressure is coming on. And God always has the final say. It says in James 1, 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse or different trials or temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience or endurance. God works through difficult times. So here's the thing. Daniel was not the same guy when he got out of the lion's den. Peter was not the same guy when he finished walking on the water. Because God doesn't want it to be just about a feeling. God wants to give you a testimony of what he's bringing you through. And I want you to understand that pressure is going to come to every single one of us. Things are going to happen. For me, it's like this, your son has terminal cancer and there's nothing we can do about it, okay? And, and for you, it might be finances. You're involved in a marriage and you're thinking there's no way out, there's no way out, there's no way out, and I'm tired and I'm tired and I'm tired. But I want you to understand something. A lot of times we make it all about the, the, the lion's den. That epic thing that happened at the end. Kids, sit down. I'm going to tell you a story about the lion's den. And everybody loves Let me tell you a story about Moses splitting the Red Sea. We jump right to the end right here. But can I tell you the story of Daniel? How when Daniel got to Babylon, and they're sitting around and having dinner, and they bring out this meat that's offered to the idols, and I mean, music's playing in the background, and they're raising him up to be this great leader and all this, and then, and then he, he pushes the, 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 the plate away. He stands up. And the guy nudges him and says, dude, what are you doing? This is meat offered to idols. I serve Jehovah God. Dude, sit down, shut your mouth. These people don't play. I know it's just dinner, but I can't do this. Sir, can I talk to a supervisor? Dude, you're going to get us all killed. Hey, I, I know it's just a meal, but this, I, I know it's just a meal, but you offer this to idols and I serve the one true God and I can't do it. You know you could die for this. I know it's heavy. I think sometimes we don't understand that heaviness is going to come into our lives. Now, if I'm talking the visual illustration of lifting weights, and we're kind of carrying this on for last week. Guys, let me ask you, if I go to the gym and I do this and I stand there and go through this, number one, is it a good thing? Say amen if it's a good thing. 
Some of you aren't saying amen because you're convicted that you never do it. <laughs> but if your kid said, Dad, I'm going to start working out and doing this, he'd be like, good, good for you. That, that's how you build. That's how you build muscle. But Dad, it's so heavy. I know, son. But you understand the resistance that you have of the weight that's been put in you will break your muscles down at first, but it's only there to build you up to make you stronger. To give you confidence and bravery. To be able to do what you normally could not do in of yourself. And I think sometimes... We, we, we sing the how great is my God, how great. And then pressure gets on us and like, ugh, ugh, that was uncomfortable. That, I, that wasn't all, no, I, at church I wave my hands and I, I, I even cry a little bit. Man, that, that, when we get to the bridge, it's awesome. But you get to the point where you're even with smaller stuff, you get to the point where it just breaks you down and you're like, I can't do this can't do this do you know when the struggle is actually when you get strongest do you guys know that it's not just the lifting it up I'm like I can do this all day long but it's deeper than that because you begin to get wore down to the point where you can't and then God says it's not over keep going it's not over keep going it's not over but it's uncomfortable you realize that a lot of Christians never get to God doing bigger things with them because they drop the things that are uncomfortable because we rule our Christian lives about feelings rather than the fact that we're children of God stop going by your feelings your feelings will lie and it's not all about just feeling good or hearing lyrics that feel good it's about God changing you I can't eat the king's meat I can't go ahead and kill me if you want to I can't they made a decree that all of his people are going to die because he had a dream. What do you mean he had a dream? He had a dream. Nobody can interpret it. You're all going to die. Chapter 2. Wait a minute. This is uncomfortable. But you know what? I'm going to go to the Most High God. Can I have a meeting with the king? Well, what? You want a meeting with the king? He wants you dead. I know. I know. But can you bring me before the king? Do you understand sometimes you never get to what God wants to do in your life because you quit with the little pressures of life? And so many Christians, when it just feels uncomfortable, God doesn't answer that prayer at first. Man, I'm, I'm just going through some stuff. I'm feeling uncomfortable. My marriage isn't clicking right, whatever. It just, it doesn't. But everything that God does, the trying of your faith work with patience. God, he that began a good work will continue in it to that day. But grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we say, I don't see God doing Daniel and the lions did things. There's no split in the sea. We want to sing the songs, but we don't see it today. And God says, that's because when you got into this, you quit. And we walk out of church and just like, I'm not going back there. God doesn't, God didn't do, I went through so much stuff and I had financial difficulty and I prayed for a check, checked the mail three days in a row. No check showed up in the mail. It's like, what? What? Are, are we that big spiritual babies? Have we gotten to the point where we talk about the feelings so much that we don't understand 
that God, God then brings them to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're born into the fire furnace, and they're gathered together and pray, and it doesn't matter what you're doing, because only the lion's den came thing, the lion's den thing happened. Because he allowed the pressures and the trials of the little things to build him up, to prepare him for what God had next. Can I make some application of this? Can I tell you, if we don't teach our kids to be faithful, to stand up at church and school for righteousness and the date right and the live right and pressure, it's like, well, nobody else is doing that. I just want to get, no, I don't, I don't care what everybody else is doing. You stand firm. You keep going. You keep going. You keep going. You know why? Because someday you're going to meet a girl that you're going to marry, and I want you to be ready for it. And someday you're going to have kids, and you're going to be ready for it. And a lot of times we're not ready, and marriages fail, and kids don't grow up knowing God because of the fact is we never learn to take a stand with the little things. Same thing, spiritual disciplines that come into our life. Let me tell you one. When I was a kid, my mom and dad taught me from the very beginning. I would go to work with my dad, and he would pay me $10 for working all day. It was child labor laws were not a thing back then. I'm still filing with my lawyer today. And my dad would give me a $5 bill and then five ones. He said, you realize that you get to keep some of that, but some of that belongs to God. And I learned to give God a dollar in the little things so that when I got my first job of making minimum wage and then I graduated from college and I worked my way up because God had big things to do with my life and God does it through the sacrifice and things that are uncomfortable. But a lot of times churches are failing today because all of a sudden we're more about the feelings. They just, I just don't like it. We're creating a generation of spiritual babies. And we have no future at the church because we can't handle the little things that are brought into our lives. Let me, let me keep going with this. Don't look at your clock. <laughs> You're like, does he have a clock? I have a clock. <laughs> Verse 19, then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And he came to the den and he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel and the king spake and said unto Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? And that's the question that our kids have, and that's the question that the world has. I'm telling you, pressure was put on you. Was God faithful? Was God faithful? Did God do it? Because my gods don't. Because they just want something real. The world around us wants something real. But all they find in Christian circles is a bunch of like, what happened? Oh, that was cool. What happened here? It's like, well, it got hard, whatever. We, we're never able to show them an outpouring of God working and doing something cool because of the fact is we never get to that point. And Daniel, God used him all this way, but let me show you. And he said, yes, O king. Live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth that have not hurt me for as much as they were uh, before him innocent, innocency and founded me. Also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. 
Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that they should take Daniel out of the lion's den. And so Daniel was taken out of the lion's den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Say, wow, I want that. Okay, start here. Start here. God will never give you more than you can handle because he'll never give you more than he can handle. But let me show you. I'll, I'll wrap up and I'll make this fast. Your convictions will be tried, but stay strong because your convictions is what brings faith, which is acted out. Keep acting it out. Keep living it out. But bra bravery is what sets the stage for the glory of God. Now, here's the thing. We see the lion's den. We make a big deal about it. And God's like, it was never about the lion's den. Why do they keep talking about the lion's den? The lion's den was the weight. It's, it's kind of like if we made a big deal about the 45-pound weight. Let me tell you about the 45-pound weight. No, let me tell you what I'm able to do as a result of going through this. It's not about the gym. It's about the gym changing you to go into the world and into your family and into the schools and into your job. It's not about the gym. It's what God wants to do through the trials and the pressures and the weights and being uncomfortable. Because all this was was a setup. Let me tell you, it was a setup for what God wanted to do. Through the whole story and through your life, let me tell you what it's all about. It's not a matter of just God get me through this. It's about God use me through this. We've got to change our perspective. And King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and languages, and dwell on the earth. Peace be uh, multiplied unto you. I make a decree that every dominion of my kingdom, men shall tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivered and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in the heavens and the earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. You know why? Because at the end of this, they saw it. They saw it. They were able to not just hear about the God, but they were able to see the fact that God allowed Daniel to do what he could not normally do. Because it wasn't about Daniel, it was about a walk with God that allowed Daniel to not only stay alive, but to walk out on the other side to do what man could not do. Can we, let me tell you guys, Daniel was able to walk through, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego able to walk through, all of them on the backside of it, be able to point back and say, let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way when there is no way. But a lot of people can't testify like that because you throw it down before you ever get to that point. You quit the little stuff. We're unfaithful at the little stuff and we never allow God to work us up to the point where we're able to do the big stuff. And as a result, the world just hears about Christianity and we, they call us hypocrites because they hear one thing and they see another. I didn't get this as we were going through our journey with Logan. But man, that first day was hard. We grew and we grew as God kept opening doors. My, one of my best friends, Brandon, is a Southern gospel singer. He was going to be singing north of Ohio or, or north of Columbus. And I drove up there and I got to this little church that was hosting this conference or uh, this uh, concert. Walked inside, there's not a soul in the building. 
And I thought, man, I feel so bad for him. Nobody showed up for this concert. So I was going to be the only guy, you know, front row, like cheering him on. But then the pastor came out and he said, can I help you? And I said, I'm here for the concert. He goes, man, there was an adver- advertisement confusion. We, put, we had two different times. He said, it actually starts at seven, not six. I said, can I hang out here till it starts? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm back here working. Why don't you hang out with me? I said, man, I'd love to get to know you. He said, can you tell me about your family? I said, I'd love to tell you about my family. I started telling him about Logan and surgery failing and the pill and things like that. And he said, man, I'm going to ask you to do something that he said is so weird. He goes, I don't know. Wow. Would you preach tonight? I said, what? I said, dude, I'm only here for the concert. He goes, I know. God just laid it on my heart that you need to preach tonight. They finished the concert and I went up to the pulpit and I just started telling my story. And I said, can I tell you about my Jesus of what my God has done? Do you see all of this that he was at the end of it was just Daniel at the end of it says, my God is El Elyon. My God is the most high God. My God is not like your rock. He's not like your statues. He's not like a king. He's above all of those things. And everything that we go through is for one reason, so that we can give glory to the almighty, powerful God. I got a phone call, three phone calls that asked me to be on podcasts and asked me to share my story. And every one of them, I just say, this is what God did and this is how God is working. Jenny's been asked three times to speak at ladies' conference. Now, anybody that knows my wife, she is not a public speaker. She gets nervous even walking on a stage. But here at the Dare for More conference, there she was in front of everybody. Can I tell you about my Jesus? But can I tell you sometimes they don't want to just hear about your Jesus? They want to hear a testimony about what Jesus actually does. We can't dwell on this side and expect God to do greater things with us. And I'm not saying this to brag on me by any means. Not at all. Not at all. Jared Hunter, I got an invitation to Liberty Christian School. I was at a point where just, man, the, the journey was up and down with everything that we're going through. And I didn't know it was like the end of the school year and they canceled everything happening afterwards. They shut off the bells and they filled the room. And I walked to the front of that class, that gym, and I had slides and I just started telling our story about what God has done through Logan. I got to the end of it and this doesn't normally happen, but I got to the end of it and I said, I want you guys not just to hear. And I said, Logan, will you come to the front? Logan walked through that crowd and stood with me at the front. And then they stood up and the students gathered around Logan and they laid hands on him and they prayed over my boy. Kids, the next generation, is there a God? Does he hear and answer prayer? Does God care about what I'm going through? But sometimes they can't see it until God allows us to go through some pressures where they can stand back and say, let me show you my God. It's not that God's trying to destroy you, even though sometimes in the middle of it, you're just sitting there going, I can't, I can't. God says, give me one more. Give me one more. I can't. Because God's not trying to ruin you. He's trying to set you up to do greater things for the glory of God. 
And by the way, I am not patting myself on the back. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just, I just know that what God's brought me through, the fact that my son is doing okay today and the fact that God's brought us through too much, so much already and the fact that I'm praying that God does it again tomorrow. Because it is all for the glory of God. It is all for the glory of God. And our generation is craving to see you not throw down the pressure or throw down the weight so that they can look at you and say, wow, I saw God work in a way that's not just in a song lyric or a meme or a video post, but a testimony of the God that shuts the mouths of lions.